Support for KVLU is made possible in part by Visit Port Arthur, welcoming visitors from around the world to experience the Cajun capital of Texas. With plenty of Gulf seafood and the natural wonders of Sea Rim State Park and Sabine Lake, enjoy paddling, fishing, sailing, and world-class birding amidst two migratory flyways. More info at visitportarthurtx.com. From KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands, a companion podcast where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the Bayou Lands radio documentary series, a program exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas since 2016. For this episode, we're sharing a conversation from the latest episode of Season 7 of Bayou Lands. Jason Miller speaks with John Quigley about the history and legacy of the Orange Leader newspaper. We hope you enjoy. This is Jason Miller. Up next on Bayou Lands, a story about another form of media besides radio, the newspaper. In particular, the Orange Leader. The paper has been in existence and continues to this very day, serving the Orange County area. My guest is John Quigley. His father, James B. Quigley, ran the paper from the mid-1930s to the early 1980s. We're going to be talking about his legacy running a paper and also his memories uh, that he heard from his dad about the newspaper business in Orange in the 20th century. John, thanks for agreeing to be on our Bayou Lands documentary and talk about the Orange Leader a bit. Glad to do it. Well, I wanted to ask you just kind of, you know, from the beginning, your family starting in, in newspaper, I guess, kind of like the 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 beginnings of them having the paper. Did they found the paper or was it one they took over? Yeah, the uh, Orange Leader was owned by a couple, uh, Mr. and Mrs. McBride in the early 1930s. And around 1935, Mr. McBride decided he wanted to uh, change his lifestyle quite a bit. So he left Mrs. McBride in the newspaper and moved to Las Vegas. So Mrs. McBride at that point got asked my dad to become the business manager. And he did that for a couple of years. And then um, she was ready to sell the paper. And so he borrowed money from everyone he knew and uh, uh, bought it around 1936. Okay. Wow. Now, did he um, did he have any uh, background in 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 newspapers before he took over business and then took over the paper? Yeah, he graduated from the University of uh, Missouri with a journalism degree and um, had worked mainly in advertising. And he did some reporting, but primarily he was on the business side of the newspaper. He worked for several different newspapers and uh, also was fired from several different newspapers mm. during the Great Depression. Mm. And um, so even when he was in his 70s, he still had nightmares about being fired. So he, he never he never wanted to work for anybody else. <laughs> oh, I bet so. Having to navigate <laughs> that the Great Depression and in, in media like that. I mean, 
my goodness. Well, it's like coming in in 1935. Like, do you have any, um, uh, did, did you work for the paper yourself at all? Did you work for the paper? Not really. Uh, maybe the summer between college graduation and going into the army, that three month period, I, I worked as the, as a reporter, but that's all. Now, we we're talking about some, you know, having that y'all had the paper in the family for a long time, right? Like when did y'all, how long did y'all have the paper? Until 1985. Wow. So like almost 35 to 85 about, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He got, he received a, um, an award from the uh, Texas newspaper association for his 50 years in journalism. So, Oh, wow. Now, when he was there, um, when he was running the paper, did was it one of those things where he had to do a lot of different hats? Like at the time was like, you know, being the owner, did he have to do some reporting and like this? They could, was it one of those things where you heard stories about, you know, everybody's chipping in on different things? Yeah. Uh, toward the end, that was not the case. But in World War Two, uh, a little before our time, uh, they everything or almost everything was rationed. You know, you couldn't get tires or cars or so there really wasn't any need for merchants to advertise. Mm -hmm. If they could get hold of the product, they could sell it. it they didn't need the, the orange leader to help them. So mm -hmm. during that period, dad did just about everything. You know, he delivered papers, <laughs> he <laughs> set type, he did, he did everything that could be done in a newspaper. Okay. Wow. So that, so that kind of brings me to the question too. It's like the paper was through some was was existing in the family through some major events of the of the twentieth century. Um, were there any particular like memories you had of like particular events that were either happening, um, you know, in Orange County or 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 you know, and the nation, the world. Well, I guess the big thing for Orange, um, in World War II, the Navy um, established a base in Orange. And uh, I think the population of Orange went from something like 7,000 to something like 27,000 during World War II. So it was a, an amazing period of time. There's a whole neighborhood in Orange called Riverside that was built during World War II, primarily to house Navy people. And um, so I guess from a, from a um, national and local perspective, that was the big event. Mm -hmm. um, that's really the main thing I can think of. Of course, the big thing for my dad was during the early 1960s, he built the new newspaper office building and um he of course spent a lot of time figuring out how to put how to how to uh design it and where to put different machines and that sort of thing so is that the one that was that was the one for a long time on on front like not far yes. from the water yes and uh, and i think eventually lamar after long after we had sold the paper, uh, Lamar University Orange bought that building and I think turned it into the nursing uh, headquarters. Oh, okay. So that location, 
like people that that know the area are not familiar with it it's like it's it's very close to where they had the where they had the uh the the ships and the port and everything like that it's very close the paper was very close to that part of orange that's correct right down there yeah that's 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 interesting had a good you have to have a good location sometimes for for a paper (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the, so were there any other particular like you know um reminisces that you had about kind of just you know hearing about the paper and and it just kind of being you know a, a part of a major part of the family for a long time and like your dad very singularly running this through that whole time i mean that's you that's the 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 service award but that's just that's just really something i mean like did anybody else in the family get in, involved in that or was it you know your dad pretty much just heading up this paper for decades well he was definitely the one in the family who did almost everything. Uh, he had a right-hand man, Cullen Browning, who was uh, officially his title was editor-in-chief, but he could just as well have been the business manager. Uh, he was a very sharp man, and he uh, he helped guide Dad through a lot of business decisions. And then about... Uh, somewhere around 1980, um, Cullen Browning retired, and um, a, a Bridge City CPA named John Dubos uh, moved into the leader as the business manager and really helped Dad during the run-up to the time when Dad decided to sell. Um, and then uh, Bob Axelson, who everyone called Ax was the news editor and he was um, a real force in the community and he had a very powerful editorial uh, bent and uh, reporters who worked there tell me that he he would tell them when one of our subscribers wakes up in the middle of the night and hears a siren when they pick up the paper the next day I want them to know what caused that siren to go off? What was wow. that? A fire truck? Was that an ambulance? Where was it going? You know. So uh, anyway, okay. he was a wow. uh, a powerful figure in the in the Orange Leader history. Well, one of the things too, like coming into like that era right then, um, and your dad selling, like was was he experiencing it all in that time frame? A shift in family papers being more uh, run going from being run by you know, media conglomerates, you know, for the lack of a better word, like corporate media, people have a lot of different holdings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, yeah, he was very aware of it. In fact, um, I wrote my thesis for my master's degree was on that subject. And I think at the time, the Orange Leader was the only independently owned newspaper along the Gulf Coast from, oh, wow. I don't know, Lake Charles to Corpus. Uh, everything else was already owned by the giant corporations. Wow. Okay. So he was holding on to it, you know, in that era, the shifting of media. Mm. Yeah. They would come in and I offered to buy the paper and they would say, now we'll let you continue to run it. And he said, no, (laughs) I've had enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's quite a legacy of running that paper. It still goes to this very day. And, uh, as, as, as print media still changes and, uh, I really appreciate you being on Bodylands to share about it, you know, talk about uh, this this facet of Orange history and and also uh, not just that, also local media history here in, in, in uh, Southeast Texas area. 
Well, I appreciate your being interested. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. You take care. Thanks to our guest for this episode, John Quigley. Bayou Lands is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. You can hear an encore broadcast of the most recent radio episode of Bayou Lands on Sunday, November 26th at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on 91.3 FM and online at kvlu.org. The episode features this conversation with John Quigley, along with guest contributor Andy Coughlin's interview with artist and illustrator Lynn Sweat, and a story about the origins and resurrection of swamp pop music. Thanks to the HH and Edna Houseman Charitable Trust for making this program possible. Additional support is provided by the Jefferson County Tourism Commission. If you enjoy the conversation shared in Bayou Lands, please remember to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Thanks for listening.